0: Hi, my name is Neil. I use he, him, and I play the ranger, Henry Tempest Goodlove.
1: My name is Corey. I use they, them, and I play the human
2: bloodhunter, Virgil. My name is May. I use they, them pronouns, and I play the celestial warlock, Keen.
3: My name is Justice. My pronouns are he, him, and I play the gunslinger elf, Oxalis Camphor.
4: My name is Moon. I use they, them pronouns, and I play the narrator, as your DM. We are Spare the Crying. We're a bi-weekly D&D podcast of a mostly homebrewed story using D&D 5E in a world inspired by Americana folk, fairy tales, and natural post-apocalyptic worlds like Breath of the Wild and Castle in the Sky. We do all of our editing ourselves, as well as illustrations. You can find us on Twitter and TikTok at Spare the Crying and at our ko fi at Spare the Crying as well if you'd like to give us some extra support. We are not professionals and had some recording issues to start, so our story begins four sessions in, but please don't worry, we will catch you up on what's happened so far, and you can also read up on our detailed recap notes at the link in our bios. Thank you so much for joining our boys as they explore and grow and maybe occasionally cry, and we hope you enjoy their story. Welcome. Come in. You are late, but don't worry. I'll catch you up to the story of the present. This is a homie tavern we found. Tall columns of dark, knotted woods support the ceiling over our heads and protect us from the rain pouring down outside. Light flickers in the fireplace and protects us from the cold that still remains from a fading winter. At the door, a human woman stands with long, red hair pulled back from her eyes to see clearly through the night, and with a sword at her side, she protects us from unwelcome strangers that may pass by. The cows peek in from the open window with fearless curiosity, and the fences that surround them protect from beasts and thieves. Somewhere further outside, the fey guardian of Enosh watches and protects us from the cursed lands. Oceans of danger that surround this island of safety. You see, 700 years have passed since the end of the... The downfall, or the vengeance, or the end of the past world. Whatever you want to call it. And the present almost seems like a, a different world from the past. When the mortals of the material plane achieved greatness through their technology and intelligence. Alchemy and science brought mortals closer and closer to deityhood. But before that was possible, mysterious and twisted power tore the world down. Surviving mortals debate the cause. Mortality's own insatiable hunger, angry, feigned gods fearing competition, the natural way of restoring balance when the material plane furthered itself from the outer planes and the magic that's birthed there. Don't know, and perhaps the reason doesn't matter. The magical technology burned and fell and poisoned the earth. War sparked, people became twisted by greed, and the very earth became aberration. Our world was a wasteland. Downfall stretched over a century. Another hundred years passed by, and few survived. Finally, before all was lost, life began to make its way back into the world as our guardians found us. It began with Titania, the ruler of the Feywilds, and Eliak, the Celestial of the Sun, followed by powerful Archfey and stars and loons. They reopened a portal to our plane, and, with their power, staved off sections of the oceans of danger to create islands of peace. We call those protective Fey kind Guardians, and the land they protect, we call their Islands. More Guardians followed suit as our people dedicated themselves to their service. People found magic again. They reconnected with the gods long cut off from our world. And, of course, they gave to their guardians in whatever way the guardians saw fit. Life is still not what it once was. Islands are distant from each other, and the larger ones tied only by thin ley lines. Magical connections of weak safety. It is only in the past 150 years or so that train tracks have become... Tentatively established along these lines, finally bringing the peoples of present together again, for exchange, in the safest way possible. Is it safe? Not really, but it is the safest. Some peoples reject the protection that Guardians provide. They try to leave into the oceans and form their own communities, completely free from the overseen powers. As far as I know, they are never known to survive, Don't worry about that just now. The dangers of the oceans feel far away here in the present, in the friendly sunflower inn. Our guardian in the small town of Enosh is the brownie queen, who protects our land in exchange for the simple gift of a bowl of milk or cut of fine cheese every night, and she welcomes the ins and outs of travelers. And who do we see, sitting alone in the tavern?
1: Virgil Flores, at your service. I am a human with brown skin on the shorter side at five five. I have blue eyes and black hair, but it's streaked with white, a bit early for my age, I know. I often keep it tucked behind one ear. There are three scars on my face, healed to a silvery white color, and from my left ear hangs a round orange crystal earring, bearing a groove through its center. I wear a long sword at my hip and a grey cloak over a quilted blue gambeson. My clothes are fine in make, but well-worn, and there are several stylized golden sun motifs in the shape of spurs at my heels, and a brooch pinned into my cloak, tarnished with age. Somewhere outside, an unusual mount awaits, a large goat that towers over me, easily the size of a workhorse, a pair of horns curved back from atop her head, her fur is shaggy and grey, with several small braids woven into her mane. She's fitted with a black saddle over a padded blue blanket and the bit she wears is decorated with two small, golden suns, like the one seen on my clothes. I sit quietly, flipping through a worn, leather journal with ink-stained fingers, and wait.
4: And who is his young friend who keeps refilling his drink?
2: My name is Kian Linos. I'm fairly pale, tall, and a bit lanky. My hair is white, wavy, and shoulder-length, with a short fringe. Some have told me my eyes are the colour of the sea, but they've always just looked blue to me. Most notable are the crescent moon tattoos on my palms, that seem to shine gold and shift in appearance just slightly, if one is paying attention. Although at the moment I'm wearing a simple apron courtesy of the sunflower Inn, there are still remnants of my usual clothes underneath. A cream-coloured blouse with a high-necked collar and billowy sleeves. Light grey pants are still visible. You can see the back of a quilted tunic. A deep jade green with an olive green sash. The leather belt holds a variety of trinkets, some of which clink around under the apron. A golden medallion, a silver hand mirror, and a rabbit's foot among them. A collection of luck charms, if you will. Nothing I wear is new or incredibly fancy, but it is clean and clearly well taken care of. A cream pigeon waits on the rooftop of the inn, Watching the surroundings, and if one is well-versed in magics, you may notice me checking in with her every once in a while.
4: Virgil, you sit and hold your warm cider and cold hands, and it's quiet for a long while, till the door opens to two rain-soaked figures.
3: Well, my name's Ox, short for Ox Alice. I'm an elf of average height with green eyes, darkened by sleepless nights and a shaggy blonde mullet under a black cowboy hat. I've got olive yellow skin dotted with rusty brown and turquoise freckles. Tattoos peek out from under my shirt and the bandana around my neck. I wear a green shirt and black pants with fringed assless chaps over top to help keep dust off my clothes. Big brown gloves cover my frequently fidgety fingers and I've got boots and belts to match. My belts carry spare bullets and a holster that I keep on my front left hip. Tinkering with tech and playing with pyrotechnics is a hobby of mine. might have gotten me into trouble a time or two, but I've been behaving since traveling with my new companions.
0: My name is Henry Tempest Goodlove. I'm a rather striking tiefling man of an above average height with golden yellow skin and horns drawn back that curl both up and around the back of my head. As contrast, both my eyes and hair are brown, with the latter falling in great curls around my gently downturned ears. Like all good gentlemen, I have my fair share of golden jewellery, from earrings to a necklace, and a solid band around the end of my tail. For clothing, I prefer the warm tones with a fluffed cream undershirt, unbuttoned at the top for comfort, and a thinly pinstriped golden vest. Over the top of that is a brown leather bandolier that doubles as a quiver for my arrows, It matches perfectly with my two belts around my waist and the strap for the knife I've got around my thigh. Beneath those are a practical pair of brown pants and an accompanying pair of boots. At my waist is what appears to be a broad off-white sash, but really it's a cloak I'll wear when I recognise the need for subtlety. From time to time you might see me wear it with a golden phoenix pin holding it at my shoulder. In the wilds I'll often turn it inside out to reveal a nicely forested pattern, and then, well, you just might not see me at all. Virgil
4: was just the man that Ox and Henry were hoping to find. They need the help of someone who knows the oceans to help them find Ox's sister, down at the southern island called Somewhere. She has something of Ox's. Seems to interest them both. With plenty of time on his hands and very little coin, Virgil Flores agrees. His friend Kian, bored of the life of a tavern server, wonders if he can tag along. But to get to Ox's sister and to get to Henry's money, they need to head down to the island of somewhere. There's a toll to pay to enter that desert oasis, and these boys have nothing. And then, like fate, an offer lands in their laps right there in Enosh. Nell, a resident of this little town, offers to help them out if our new friends can find their daughter, Mayla. She's a self taught mechanic in training who disappeared out into the oceans of aberration quite a while ago. Leaving behind her hideout of old, unfinished maps of the oceans, and her half-finished tech, and her friend, Jen, who cannot say where Mela could have vanished off to. They investigate Mela's hideout and find unusual texts that only Keen can read, an ability he uh, keeps to himself, and they find a book on legends of the oceans, created by someone called Perry Thine. They break down the protective border wall of Enosh and head out into the oceans. They are experienced travelers, yet still they almost lose Virgil as he chases after a strange beast that seems familiar to him, only to discover it was a will of the wisp illusion. They find parts, machinery, that fall in line with Mela's work, such as the arcane-powered bike her father and her friend knew she'd be working on. They've also seen some things out there that make them a bit nervous for a young human two weeks missing outside the town limits. Things like the ghostly darkness that tried to get close to the border last evening. So after a night of rest inside the stone walls of Enosh, they decide to head out one last time.